Wise notes. All right. Children, children. Seven and eights, teachers Kim Romeo. Our helper is Levi Atkins. Ooh, ooh. No? No one cheers for none of that? Alright, the fives and the sixes, Jennifer Weibel and Jake, not from State Farm. <laughs> oh, shit, that's not funny anymore, Justin. It's always going to be funny. Alright, the threes and the fours, Miss Shayla Hughes, and your helper is Hannah Clark. Wait, that's it. He also put the announcements on here, but I think I'm supposed to wait on those till the end when announcements are supposed to be. All right, let's get weird today. Thank y'all for staying around. Luke asked me to preach a couple, two weeks ago. He's like, hey, I'm just going back to work for the first time in five weeks. And he's like, you want to preach on the 4th of July? I'm like, say less. Like 80% of the congregation is probably on vacation. The other 20 is probably going to hear I'm preaching. And then poof, look at that. Here you are. So I'm not allowed to use that joke anymore. Y'all like me. That wasn't funny. That was that was when I was trying to turn it into the serious. Y'all don't have to like me. But I'm still here, and you're still stuck with me. Blame Luke. Somebody text him. He's probably at work right now. The firehouse on a Sunday. What are they doing at 1130? They're making lunch, aren't they? I guarantee they're watching TV. He's probably watching. I'm probably going to get a text message, and it's going to go down here. But I said, you know what? Absolutely. Why would I not want to preach on the 4th of July? There's got to be so much gospel-oriented love around the word freedom that that could be easy. And then I got to studying. And there really is. There, there really is. The problem came when all the time, you know, we are a very patriotic society. And, and, and all of the, the joy came between the, the, the word freedom as we use it as Americans and freedom as we use it as Christians. And trying to make points and see how they intertwined got really fun and frustrating all at the same time. Um, so I, I like music, and so I, I'm gonna. I have three points. I said at least if you're gonna be this uh, in the weeds all day long, you got to have at least a couple points so they could take home. If you're taking notes, that's fine. If not, it's no big deal. Um, but to to bring those points home, I figured I'd leave these two beautiful people up here to continue singing because at the end of the day, uh, you know me well enough to know that I love music and I think music brings home points very well and I think that the connection with the Holy Spirit happens very well during music and why do I listen to worship music so often when I'm, even when I'm not here? Uh, this is probably why. There is a lot of validity in a lot of the words and I love being prompted to say things that have already been written down that I actually believe and feel. Does that make sense? So in the most non-awkward fashion, and because Luke's not here, and because I'm allowed to do what I want, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Amen? Amen. There you go, Phil. I had to text Phil earlier this morning. I said, yo, are you going to be here today? Phil's my amen corner. If you've never noticed that, like I will look to him. And sometimes I don't have to ask y'all for an amen. But like, I don't know why. I know that's not Luke's style of preaching, but I sometimes I say amen. Like, I don't think as a 40-year-old dude, I can stand up here and say, know what I'm saying? That was like, I think that would be not as professional as amen. Thanks, Steve. There you go. It costs me a 20 every week, but I am totally down with that. That is all. Yes, that's all I'm good for. I know, right? 
Put, put it on my tab. All right, so, so I had to break down. I want to base everything around the word freedom today, but I started to have to figure out where is that going to come from? What of a million verses can I preach freedom from? I lost it. And I ended up at Galatians. So if you want to go there, that would be fantastic. Galatians chapter 5. My notes. Stable. As a forty-year-old man, I'm going to have to wear these glasses. Verse, chapter five, verse one says, "It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery." Lord, I thank you for this text this morning. Uh, really, what I pray is that you bring your thoughts and ideas. Um, through me, not my words, um, and not my will, but yours be done. Amen. So there was a ton of things um, in the terms of freedom. There is a lot to be extrapolated out of here, and I picked this one. There was probably 30 very good uh, passages, but I picked this one. And I want to base it on a couple of points. First, I had to define freedom and or the concept of freedom. Um, we have a very patriotic Society, We have a very patriotic love for our country. And, and as I look around, uh, I'm saddened that I didn't have the wherewithal to go buy a fancy patriotic shirt and wear it today. But all I have is an American flag bathing suit. That's not church appropriate. Not from here anyway. If you want to do it, it's okay. Um, I didn't even find like a mold, like a hair piece that I could have worn this morning because that's 100%. You're free to do that too. But in this, the concept of freedom that I was looking through at the core of it, I figured out that it was God's idea. Um, the actual concept of freedom was God's idea. It, it wasn't defined by the Revolutionary War. It wasn't defined by Spain, Rome, America. Like we, There's a lot of freedom in all of that stuff, but the ideology, the actual initial concept of freedom was God's idea. Um, we, as, as a free society, were enslaved by sin. Um, track with me there for a minute. We started life. We came bound to sin. We all agree with that? So the, the original concept of freedom was God's to unenslave us from that. Uh, makes me think of when Moses said to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go. Like he screamed that out loud to, to Pharaoh. And, 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 and that, that I think that is God's design down to the people. And the sending of Jesus was to free my people, to, to save the souls of men. And that entire freedom aspect comes, and that concept comes from God. Uh, Romans 5.20 says, the power of sin, the power of hell, no, I'm sorry, where sin did abound, grace did abound much more. We are no longer bound by the power of sin, the power of hell, the power of the grave. We are a blood-bought, born-again, believing church that has been freed from our past. I want you to take a, a, a moment for a minute with me and think about yourself pre-Jesus. Okay? In, in the most non-awkward fashion, let's close our eyes for a minute. That way no one has to look at you funny about you trying to figure out how long ago that was or how recent ago that was. And I want you to think about yourself pre-Jesus, pre the concept of the freeing power of your personal salvation. Now think about the moment that he sets you free. 
and the life and the freedom that you have in Christ post that day. That's a good time, right? Cool part, you know, from a Sunday morning aspect, um, if, if that's shaky, if that's weird going back to that time and there's not a microchasm of difference between pre and now, you're still breathing this morning and we can, we can, we can make changes on that. Because uh, there is a glorious freedom that we have in the fact of being set free from the power of sin, the power of hell, and the power of the grave. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, as it says there in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Um, I would say in 2021, we have a vast majority of things that people look to for freedom. Would you agree with that? Am I right or wrong in that? Um, I, I feel that society makes us chase a ton of things that could be freeing to your uh, flesh. The things that, that the world says, do this, do this, do this, and this will set you free. This will make you happy. Yet as a born-again believer of Christ, I've had your sins washed away, all of that stuff now behind you, you realize that it was only Christ that can actually truthfully set you free, correct? No longer slaves.
Amen, right there. So point number one, the concept of freedom was God's idea. Point number two, the cost of freedom was God's investment. You ever heard somebody say freedom is not free? Yes, yes, amen, amen. Freedom is not free. Our freedom costs somebody something. Um, the freedom of Christ being the ultimate sacrifice. Our freedom is not free. I want to read you a story that I uh, really when I studied, and I'm going to ask Ray to play here in a minute. Um, but I started digging into the Star Spangled Banner, right? Because we are super patriotic people. We fly our flags on our houses. Um, we fly our flags on our trucks. It's whatever, right? It, it's all good. Um, so I started reading about the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, really, just when I, this week I was just trying to read all the words because sometimes I skip through them. And I can't do that on a Sunday morning when I'm in front of you guys. But I came across this story. Has anybody ever read the story of Francis Scott Key when he wrote the Star Spangled Banner? It is epic, right? So I'm going to read you this for a minute. And... Uh, and I want to see if it changes your thought process on freedom is not free. In 1814, America was under attack from the British. This came about because the British wanted to regulate American shipping along with other agenda items. At this time, there was a young lawyer by the name of Francis Scott Key living in the Georgetown, Maryland area. The British had already captured Washington at this time, forcing President Madison and his family to safer locales. The White House and the Capitol had already been set ablaze. But the British had their minds set on bigger targets. They wanted to capture Baltimore. In order for the British to do this, they needed to get into position, so they anchored themselves in the Chesapeake Bay. The war had been progressing up to that point, and both sides had secured prisoners. On their way out of Washington, the British captured Dr. William Bean, a neighbor of Keyes. Bean was now being held on the British flagship, which was floating out in the bay. The townspeople resented the good doctor's capture and voted to have Key head to Baltimore and secure the services of the man in charge of the prisoner exchange. Key accompanied this man and they set sail on a small sloop for the massive British warship dead ahead. Once aboard, negotiations began and were looking promising. Key showed the British letters from the British soldiers praising the care of Americans were given them. Things looked bright for Key and the American prisoners aboard the ship until the British commander decided that Key had heard too much about their impending battle plans concerning Fort McHenry, Key was forced to stay aboard. The British explained to Key that the entire British Navy was en route to the Chesapeake Bay and they wanted to destroy Fort McHenry and crush the Americans' war efforts. Sure enough, after a short time, Key could see hundreds of ships on the horizon slowly making their way towards an imminent battle. Key pleaded with the British, arguing that the fort housed many women and children. The British responded by telling Key that the Americans on shore had been told if they wanted the shelling to stop, all they had to do was lower the giant American flag from its rampart above the fort, and the British would accept their surrender. Key relayed this news to the American prisoners below deck, all anxious to see what happens. On September 13, 1814, the bombardment began. It was an unmerciful, brutal attack. Continuous bombing made a deafening noise while Key looked on in horror. One shell after another struck the flag directly, and yet it didn't fall down. When Key took his eyes of the battle, he would yell down to the comrades below deck. It is still standing, he could hear. Cheers and prayers rise from below. Night fell. 
He could no longer see the fort, but the red glare of the rockets and the bombs bursting let him and everyone else know that the flag was still there. The British command was in a frenzy. They told Key they could not understand what was happening at the fort. British scouts had reported numerous direct hits on the flag, but yet it would not fall down. Morning came, September 14, 1814. As the pre-dawn mist gave way to the morning light, Key noticed that the shelling had stopped. He made his way to a vantage point where he could see, and as he gazed upon Fort Henry, he realized the shelling had not stopped because of surrender. The shelling had stopped because the British had given up. 25 hours of explosions had not been enough to bring the flag down. He was released and allowed to go back to the shore. As he approached Fort McHenry, his eyes met those of dead patriots fallen for the love of a nation. He made his way to the flagpole. There the flag rested, torn, tattered, and almost unrecognizable. The pole itself was battered and bent, and it would fall if not for the bodies that held it up. The British had indeed uprooted the flagpole, but as it fell towards earth, it was caught and held up by American soldiers who realized what the flag really stood for. When the next bomb came crashing down, killing those men, more rushed to their spot until the British realized they could take down a fort, but they could never crush the American spirit. After witnessing these events, Francis Scott Key wrote a poem that we all now know. If that visual doesn't do something for you, I don't know what was. What is? Uh, American patriotism is phenomenal. But think of that for a moment as he got to write that, as he got back to Fort McHenry, they said, you can't go back. You know too much about what we've got going on. And he had to witness the bombardment all night long, figuring that there's no way with those hundreds and hundreds of ships coming. And could you imagine as light comes to stand and as he gets released because they said we quit and he starts headed towards shore and just visualize for a minute. That, that's what that, I think that's what really broke me down this week is the visual aspect. As it said, it said as the flag started to go down, more American patriots went to hold it up. And as those men died, more went as it fell. And as he got there, just vision. The next time you hear the Star Spangled Banner, all of those dead American soldiers laid up in a pile holding that American flag standing, right? That's good. That, that, that is amazing patriotism for those guys that knew what it meant to put their life on the line to keep that flag still standing. And I think we live in a crazy society today that our flag is stuck in the middle of some sort of rhetoric that is absolute garbage. Amen? Amen. Absolute garbage. I mean, it's not time to not, you know, to kneel when that sort of thing is happening. So I asked Ray because I can, and it's epic, and it's the 4th of July, um, that we're going to play the Star Spangled Banner as absolutely awesome on an electric guitar as we can. But I would ask if there is anybody this morning that served or is currently active military, if you would stand up for a moment. Nice, we will recognize them at home this morning. So, I would, yeah, there you go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Never in my life have I ever been man enough to do that. So I owe a massive debt of gratitude um, for that. So we're going to stand this morning. He's going to play the national anthem. I didn't bring a flag over, so we got one behind us. So if you would turn around that way.
in church, Jimi Hendrix style, without reservation. And I'm all right with that. We need to raise a generation that respects the flag. Absolutely. And it, we are losing ground day by day by day by day with all of the influence and all of the things that are happening in this world. So it's got to be vastly important, right? It's got to be vastly important that we raise a generation. But greater than any sacrifice that any patriot did was the sacrifice that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, did on that cross to pay for your and my sins. Amen? Amen. He traded his life for mine.
ultimate sacrifice. Taking notes, the first point was the concept of freedom was God's idea. The cost of freedom was God's investment. And my last point, I'm going to land this plane here in a minute. The celebration of freedom is God's interest. When I was reading, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. If we want to continue on and preach this entire thing, that's a hard read. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Um, I want to just stop for a moment at the stand firm, right? Um, There should never be a time as a believer, as a blood-bought, born-again believer of Jesus Christ, there should never be a time that we are more outspoken that we are a American than we are as outspoken as that we are a child of God. Amen? Amen. And that's super hard, right? Because it's super okay. It's super okay societally, at least still currently today, to fly your American flag or be proud of what's happening in the world, red, white, and blue. It's not as easy today to be as outspoken about being a child of God. Yet we've determined, as we sing through these songs, that it was his life for mine. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for mine, and that should be ahead of the patriotism that you feel for America, which is 100% warranted. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it is a bad thing, but it should never be on top of who I am as a person. Amen? So the celebration of freedom, we're not enslaved to sin anymore. We're not in bondage anymore. We should celebrate our freedom that Christ has provided. And, And the stand firm, the stand firm is the part that has me Stuff, right? We are. I actually said that I'm not going to do this, but I will, um, just because. If you don't know the world that surrounds our children today, I get stuck on that stand firm because stuff like this exists. Give me a minute. I'm going to play this as best I can. I don't want to put it on there because I don't want to promote it too loud. But I want you to hear what is being pumped into the ears of our children on a normal basis. that's making its way to our children. And that's the ideas that are being lived out today. So when it says stand firm, that's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about. Every time you get excited about being a patriot or every time we buy a 1776 shirt, 
Or every time we get excited about making sure our flag is hanging out front, we got to think about, we, we need to stand firm. I wholeheartedly believe that, that we need to hold that line because they are very vocal. We don't see it because it's on most platforms. I'm not saying that's why I'm on TikTok. Don't get me wrong. But it's on a lot of platforms and things that you guys don't normally watch. Don't get me wrong. But it's happening. And if they don't see that we believe another way or are not hearing more truth than garbage, as we talked about last week, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. As you continue to pump that kind of stuff in there, there's going to be a shadow of a doubt. And that's the world that we live in today. We have to be louder than they are. I'd be happy with we, if we are just as loud, if our platforms were as wide open as theirs. But guess what? It's a whole lot cooler to not go to church than it is to go to church. It's a whole lot cooler to go look for one of those progressive theology churches that is changing what the word says. And I'll be the first one to tell you, but I know every one of you in here understands it, that God's word has not changed. Amen to that. I don't even have to ask for it there. God's word hasn't changed from when it started to when it will be finished and we are no longer here anymore. It is allowed to hurt your feelings. It's allowed to step on your toes. It was designed that way because if it doesn't change your life, it didn't come for you. Amen? And our children need to know that. We can't go, you know what, I like this. I like that. I probably shouldn't do that. He doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies. He doesn't give you help. He's not here for your feelings. As Ben Shapiro would say, facts don't care about your feelings. The gospel will hurt your feelings. From beginning to end, when you are opposed to it. But the minute that you get in line with it, and you get that employment of the Holy Spirit, guess what? No matter what that progressive clergy person said, the Great Commission is what we are supposed to do. That's all we are supposed to do. It was first, and it covers everything. You want to cover that love God, love your neighbor? That's fine. The Great Commission falls into that. Teaching our kids falls into that. Making sure that if somebody says there's something progressive about theology, you're louder than they are and say that, mm-mm, not in my house, not today, Satan. Amen? We have to be as loud because guess what? It's becoming less and less cool. And before, back in the day, it was only you either are or you aren't, so eh, I don't really go to church. Now people claim, I go to church and I go to this one, and, and this is all acceptable. There, come as you are. It's a problem. Amen? It's a problem, and I believe that we are slowly losing the battle. We're going to win the war, don't get me wrong. But I want to go with as many people, especially here in our local community, especially where you live and the people that you get to interact with. Some of the most weird things in the world is when Luke says, be on mission at all times. If you're at the baseball field, never have I learned that more than Matthew is getting ready to go to the state conference, state tournament next week. I have to miss church to go play baseball. But I have to get into hurting my feelings and being on mission at, at all times during that. No matter where we're at, your job. One of the weirdest and the most hurtful things that I've ever heard Luke say is, I want you to be the same person on Monday morning that you are on Sunday morning. Maybe because it was hurting my feelings that day and I had to start wearing steel-toed boots when Luke preaches. But it's because, man, that's a hard thing to say. Think of you at your job. Think of you at your lunch period. Think of you at whatever. Think of you at school with the friends you hang out with. I think there's a handful of, it's not a whole lot of teenagers in here, but think about those kids that you are forced to hang out with that don't know Christ, that don't like Christ, that would look at you funny for even making the statement that I go to church, I believe in God, and I have been saved. That's never changed. That's never going to get weird. You've got to tell them. It's our duty. I think it's our duty in that stand firm. 
I think that's what Stan Firm says. At some point, you've got to draw the line. I have a couple people that I like to follow that I listen to preach, and I have one of them that says he is a King James-only guy because in his own heart, he says, at some point, I had to draw the line, and that's where my line is drawn. It doesn't have to be yours. I love it. I love it. It's fine. I'm not a King James-only guy. He is, but he stood firm somewhere, and he can defend it. We need to stand firm. Every ounce of the freedom that we feel and the ability to worship today and the desire that is deep inside of us comes from our relationship with Christ. And it is only us who is going to proclaim that because of the experiences that we have. Amen? That's it. You can't wait for somebody else to do it because guess what? They're waiting for you to do it. And that other church with those other people, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. It's not me. No, no. His word says, stand firm. And I implore you to read in front of this in Galatians, and I I implore you to read behind in chapter 4 to get the full context of why Paul was talking this way. It is amazing. But if you want to go figure out how to live out that whole stand firm, it'll tell you. Just read all of the fifth chapter. I don't want to do this morning because I don't want y'all to get bored with me. I want to stick with one point. And that freedom, whether it be our American freedom, go find a patriot, thank them for their service if you're not one of them. And the next time you're thinking something massively patriotic, also look for something to tell somebody about Jesus. Stand firm. The junk that's happening in the world, take a stand. Say something about it. What's it going to hurt? Because I guarantee you're not going to offend God. You might offend them, but I'd rather them be mad and go into heaven than satisfied and going to hell. I'm going to quit on that. That's good enough to stop you.